the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 103 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where we have over, I think we're coming up on 2,300 members talking about baseball every day. Right now, there's been a lot of signings over the course of this last week. And there's been draft and hold leagues going on, so the league, the group has been popping this last week. Had a lot of, quite a few new members join also. So for all of you who are new to the group and maybe are listening, welcome. The best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes. If you could take a few moments, leave us a five star rating and write a nice review for us, that would be a good way for helping us out and getting our name out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On tonight's episode, it's time to get started on outfielders. And Andrew and I have three episodes coming up covering this position. And this is part one, where we're going to discuss the top 15 outfielders according to the NFBC ADP. Let's bring Andrew on with the question of the day. And Andrew... It's Super Bowl Sunday, and there are a lot of popular foods eaten on Super Bowl Sunday. Nachos, wings, burgers, brats. Do you have a go-to that is on your favorite thing to eat during the Super Bowl? No, give me it all. I like, <laughs> all all I like, of the above? Uh, yeah, I like all of it. Um, yeah, it's all good stuff. You know, I remember... The I think it was the 2003 Super Bowl specifically. Uh, it, it was probably the 2003 season in 2004. It was the Patriots and the Panthers. And I went to, a, went to a big Super Bowl party that year. And I remember they had so much food. And I, at that age, was a bottomless pit. And I specifically was loving these meatballs that somebody brought and just kept eating those the entire game. But um, I like wings. Wings are my go-to these days. And I think that's my favorite. Wings are nachos, but... They're all good. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say wings or burgers, so. This year. But they're all good, yeah. I'm going to try making my own wings for the Super Bowl. Usually I always try ordering them somewhere, but I picked up four pounds of wings this morning. And I don't, do you you even know what an Instant Pot is, Andrew? Uh, I've heard of it. I'm not sure exactly. It's like a crock pot, except... It does these weird things with like pressurizing and you can instead of like putting chicken in a crock pot for three hours and cooking, you can do it in there for like 20 minutes and it's done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to try doing that with some wings this weekend. We're going to see how that goes. Do you have a favorite wing flavor? Do you like the buffalo or? Yeah, I just I like hot wings. Yeah. Just buffalo. I'm more of a barbecue one or. Yeah, um, I'm good. I like barbecue, too, but. Yeah, buffalo would be my uh, my pick. My wife, Danae, she's the same way. She likes the buffalo. and But one of my favorite B-dub flavors that they have is the Caribbean jerk. And I've got a bottle of that Caribbean jerk sauce, and I think I'm going to give that a try this weekend. Like the uh, Asian zing. You ever oh, try that? yeah. That's good, yeah. too. Anytime, That's what I get. Yeah, anytime you can get that Asian or um, a local 
or I guess a chain called Wingstop that's around here. I know it's one of your favorite places. Um, <laughs> they've got a Korean one that's also real good. But yeah, any you get any of that Asian or Korean stuff, mm, that's good stuff. Yeah. All right, let's get into the outfielders. And I pulled up the top 15 outfielders from last year, and I'll list them off here. These are ranging everywhere from 1 to 51. Uh, Ronald Acuna was number one. Second was Mike Trout. Christian Yelich was third at two at, at 2.51. Mookie Betts was fourth. Cody Bellinger was fifth. Juan Soto, J.D. Martinez, Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, Starling Marte. That's the top ten. And then 11 through 15 is Austin Meadows, George Springer, Keitel Marte, Charlie Blackman, and Whit Merrifield. Of all of last year's top 10 to 15s that we've shared, you know, this one stands out to me as the best in terms of holding up. Would you agree with that, Andrew? Yeah, I feel like a lot of them have been really good. Yeah. But this this one might be the best, yeah. Maybe it's part of because it was such a short season that it's harder to move things around. Going back to your the year as a whole has been pretty good. But yeah, the studs are still up there. For the, pretty much, I mean, you got to get down to seven with J.D. Martinez before you see a big drop between any of these guys. Yeah, Meadows pretty ugly drop there yes. too. But yep. Uh, do you have a strategy on drafting outfielders this year? Well, I mean, not specifically, really. I mean, I like to get. I would say in the first ten rounds, I'd like to have in like my perfectly ideal draft and probably like to have two in the first 10 rounds um, and one fairly early. Um, I've noticed on, I know one team I did, I kind of waited and um, it's fine to wait. I mean, there's, there's a lot of outfielders. Like you can, you can go way down and, you know, find guys, but you're also speculating more than you think sometimes like, Oh, this guy's pretty good. And then, He's not as good as you think or, you know, as you move kind of down. So I like getting one or two just rock solid studs. And then um, I'm okay with kind of having rotational guys in my, like, say, my fourth and fifth. So, yeah, I um this year I haven't felt like I've had a certain strategy with them in terms of when I how many I want to have early. I really haven't cared about that, just taking players and. I but I really do like the outfielders that you can get in these mid rounds. But I I'm realizing in the draft and hold that you and I are in right now that I I waited a little too long to get my last one and I think the round 18 and maybe it was just the people I was drafting with but they dried up a little quicker than they have in previous drafts I've done to where I think I want to try to gobble up a lot of them in there in the middle rounds but be done by around 15 or 16 if possible. I think that's what's stuck out to me. Um, how late are you okay until you, waiting until you've last drafted your first outfielder? Like, what's the latest you're okay, I should say? I think the latest I've gone in any draft was, like, round five. So, pretty quick. I'd like to get my first one pretty quick. Yeah, you're definitely higher than me. I've had some drafts where I didn't get one till seven or eight. And I've still been felt like I was okay with it. 
Um, like who? Like who is your number one outfielder in that draft? Oh, I want to say. Well, actually, it was my number two. Now that I think about it, I'd have to look. But like the Tommy Fams, and yes, Ugh. that I know that's not great. But if you're, yeah, taking, that's. I feel like I knew. Taking, I actually knew you were going to say that for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, that makes me cringe. I'm trying to look at my second draft real quick, but I know, like, I took somebody before Fam in the. Yeah, actually, I took Grisham and Fam in this. Like, man, I've taken Fam a lot. Am I three for three with Fam? No, I don't think I got him in my first one. So never mind. I guess I have taken my first one in around five or six, but I don't. I don't think I that's a priority to me and just if I'm getting the stats out that I want out of uh in more infielders I'm okay grabbing outfielders later um so when do you want to have your last outfielder taken by like my fifth you yes. mean like my last starting correct a lot less specific there I just feel like you take what the board gives you I mean probably if I had to pinpoint around maybe like round 15 to 17 somewhere in there i'd probably be grabbing my fifth yeah that's somewhere somewhere around there i it's not exact i mean it's like i said i'm a lot more likely to be okay my fourth and fifth i can kind of move in and out and play matchups or you know have like four guys for two spots or whatever but um, I don't want to be doing that with all my outfield spots, put it that way. And I think if you wait too long, your stable guys at the top, obviously they're just weaker and um, it can, it can actually turn into a mess pretty quick. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you 15 to 17, 16, 15, 16, 17. I think that's about when I want to have my last one taken. All right, let's get into number one. And that would be Ronald Acuna. At with an ADP at one point six, and Andrew, you mentioned that Acuna is your number one with Tatis. He had a high blend, just like Tatis, I should say. He has a high blend of speed and power, and also like Tatis. When you see his steamer projections, they're eye popping. Uh, two eighty two batting average, one hundred and seventeen runs, forty one home runs, one hundred one in the RBI, and twenty eight stolen bases. Some beautiful numbers right there. Yeah, he's he's pretty good, ain't he? <laughs> he's okay. The kid the kid turned out all right. Yeah. Yeah, um not much to say. I mean, I I think he's the top guy and um just the overall, you know, you're you're getting everything. Crazy high ceiling, high floor, um tons of steals. I mean, I think if I pretty much think at this point there's two guys in the league that could go forty forty, and I think he's the most likely, yeah. the more likely of the two. So you think he's more um, likely than Tatis to go forty forty? Yeah, those would be the two I think could you know, in a perfect case season do it, and um, I think he's a little more likely because I think his. Whether right this is right or wrong, I think his stolen base upside is a little bit higher than Tatis's. Who's projected for more? I can't remember what Tatis when we talked last week. Uh, I think they're, per, they're they're pretty close. I think I'm trying to pull it up right now. Yeah, 26 steals is what the Tatis projection is. So Acuna does have a few more. Uh, 
I mentioned this in the last episode that I was going to ask you this question, and now it's time. If you're drafting in a standard 5x5 startup dynasty league, Andrew, are you taking Acuna or Soto if you have the number one pick? I'm going to let you go first, and then I'll I'll give my input. (laughs) I get to be the bad guy first. All right. um, I've thought about this a couple times this week, and my answer is Soto, and here's why. I think if Acuna in the short term is the better option, but I think the gap between them even in redraft leagues is close enough. And Soto's just got the hit tool and the skill set that I think ages better. The power speed guys, as the power goes down, or I'm sorry, the speed drops a little bit, and you know, that'll happen for Acuna in five, maybe not for another five years, but it could happen at that point. And as soon as it does happen, that that really drops a guy like him off. I mean, look at, Look at Trout, and Trout's a much better hitter than Acuna is. Just he's got a better, he's just a better hitter. And guys like that, when they lose a little bit of the speed, they better have the elite hit tool to make up for it. If you want to keep them near the up longer, and I just think Soto's skill set aged is better. So I'm taking Juan Soto. Though, if by any chance I was in a dynasty league and I was competing now, I would. I, like and you got you had Soto and someone else had Acuna and they were willing to make that trade. I'd possibly consider it to get Acuna if I was competing right now because I do like Acuna a little better short term. That's my long spiel of it. What do you say? Do you do you think that um, like when you say the steals drop, do you think that's happening anytime soon with Acuna? No, but you never know. I mean, a guy. I mean, we saw Trout even do this of about five, maybe more like six, seven years ago, where just all of a sudden he slowed down for a couple of years, and you just never know when a guy decides, "Hey, I'm not going to run as much anymore." The Braves maybe even tell him that. So yeah. that's it's just harder to project. I would guess no, if you ask me, honest. Like, do I think no? But would I be shocked if he stopped? No. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just was curious what you what you thought there. Um, I agree with you. I oh. take Soto. Okay. So what's, um, what's your reasoning? Yeah, I mean, I just – he's 21 years old, and he's pretty much the best hitter in the league right now. Yep. And, I mean, there's really – <laughs> there's really not much else to say. I mean, I agree with you that this, when the speed goes, obviously those guys drop off quicker. Um, I, I, I do think, and the reason I just mentioned it is just, you know, I don't anticipate that happening anytime soon for Acuna or Tatis. So, you know, obviously if you're taking them, it's fine. But um, yeah, if I was sitting there one, one dynasty startup today, I would take uh, I would take Soto, and he's 22, by the way. I apologize. And if you end up with Ronald Acuna in a startup dynasty, I I apologize that you're just going to have to have such a much rougher start than if you had had Juan <laughs> Soto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's there, rough. I, put it this way: give me uh, give me the second or third pick, and I'm good with it. That's the truth, right there. Like if you're doing a startup dynasty, I want the third pick. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I'll take number three. You guys let me choose. Plenty of, 
plenty of people would take Tatis one too. Oh, yeah. So you would you would get either one of those. So that's why yeah. I don't want the second pick. <laughs> I don't want to get yeah. stuck again. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, tough decisions there. Are they one, two, and Tatis three in your dynasty ranks? Yeah, yeah, it would be. I would go Soto one, Acuna two, Tatis three. Yeah, we are in agreement. Okay, well, number two amongst outfielders this year is not Juan Soto. We'll get to him in a second. It is Mookie Betts, outfielder for the Dodgers with an ADP of three overall. And we are coming up on a year since Mookie was traded from Boston to the Dodgers. It was finalized on February 11th last year. I uh, was seeing somebody on Twitter talking about a year ago today they were crying in their car because Mookie had been traded. And I went and looked. (laughs) (laughs) It was a Red Sox fan, and my sympathies to all of you Red Sox fans. But um, it took a bit to get finalized because it was a little bit of a mess they were having there. I I think there was an injury with one of the arms. Was it Gratterall? I feel like Uh, there was a Gratterall Yeah, possibly, yeah. Anyway, Mookie was fantastic in his first year with the Dodgers. In that 55 games played, he had 47 runs scored. 16 home runs, 39 RBI, and 10 steals with a 292 batting average. Steamers dialed back his projections from that insane pace he had last year, projecting a 275 batting average with 114 runs, 92 RBI, 34 home runs, and 20 steals. I have to say, I think I'm taking the over on the batting average, runs scored in the steals. Acuna is awesome, and I do believe his upside is a tick higher than Mookie, but I think Mookie's my personal number one for 2021. I I just think he's going to lead the league in runs and be ahead of him in bat, in the batting average department too. I don't know. I I I'm taking Mookie, but but it's razor thin. Yeah, no issue with that. Um, he's right there. It's splitting hairs and kind of just take your guy type thing. Um, I agree with you. I would over the batting average uh, runs scored. I mean, 114 is a lot. But, yeah, I'm not going to put too much of a cap on what Mookie could do. I think the reason he's probably behind Acuna and Tatis Tatis for me is just that I think there's just a little bit less juice in the power and speed departments. But it's it's not by much. I mean, it's... He's obviously a superstar. So, yeah, if he wasn't a Dodger, if he was on some random team, I probably wouldn't have him as my one. The Dodgers are just such a run-scoring organization, and yes, you can say that about the other two guys also. So maybe that, maybe I shouldn't be thinking that way, but that's just where I am this year. Um, Mookie did turn twenty-eight this last October, and I did want to bring this up and at least ask you a question here. He's a power-speed guy. And I can't help but think of McCutcheon's fall from elite to good when I think of the power speed guys. Should dynasty owners be at least thinking about that a little bit when it comes to their Mookie stock? Well, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's like thinking about it, acting on it. I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? Like trade him? I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't really think so. No, I mean, I, I, 
it's fine to consider all possibilities and stuff, but he's a top five player right now. And like, it's just tough to trade guys like that unless you're getting a haul back. So I'm not going to say don't do it or anything like that. I mean, obviously it's dependent on the return and all that, but um, I just think it's tough to project exactly when the downfall will be. And um, right now he's great. So I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it too much, I guess, but I, I see where you're coming from. I just, it's hard to sit there and be like, you know what? I, I got to move this guy. Uh-huh. Like, I just, I don't, you don't think like that, you know, it's so no, I, I it'd be tough for me to do that. If, unless I just had a fantastic offer on the table or something. And I just traded for him last August or July at our trade deadline in a dynasty league. So I agree, but on the same note, if I had a team that I did not that I felt like I was going to have to rebuild, I would put them on the block. If I knew that I wasn't going to be able to compete in the next two or three years, I would be putting Mookie on the block. He's not one of those guys I'd be thinking, I'm going to hang on to him and build around him if I would at least entertain offers. It doesn't mean yeah. you move him, but I would at least see what's out there. No, that's yeah, that's fine. And I think that's something that's good to do anyways, mm-hmm. you know. But... um yeah, no, I get that. Like, if you're two to three years away, I totally, uh, totally get that. But if you're competing, like I am, and like so many owners of Mookie Bets are, yeah, no, you just ride the wave. Okay, yeah. uh, number three, we mentioned him before, Juan Soto at ADP of four, and Soto was the World Series MVP in 2019, King of the World last off season. And as the shortened season was set to begin last July, Soto had a cop, uh, positive COVID test right before the season. And if I recall, he ended up proving it was a false negative and was able to get on the field a week or so later. And in 47 games played, he was absolutely incredible. 351 batting average, 13 home runs, 39 RBI, 37 runs, and even six steals chipped in. He did everything. Steamer gives him another pretty projection. A rare batting average over 300 at 304 with 39 home runs, 110 runs, 115 RBI, and 12 steals. Uh, We talked about his dynasty value, Andrew, but in a redraft, where are you taking Soto on your ranks if it goes chalk? Man, I... I don't know. I still I struggle with this because I'm positive I would take Acuna and Tatis one and two. And at three, I just I feel like I could go multiple ways. I don't know what I would exactly do in the moment. I would possibly take Garrett Cole. I would possibly take Betts and I would possibly take Soto. I think it would probably be down to those three. But I'm not sure what I would do in the moment, to be honest. I'd have to be in that spot with those two exact guys going to really uh, really know what I would do. I don't know. It's tough because you and I are both very pro go-get-the-aces, and that's why I wanted to ask you that question. I'm not certain either. I think I would take him seventh behind the big three power speed guys and behind the three aces. 
but I don't know for sure until I'm in that spot. I, but yeah, see, I, I feel like when you get to see, to me, it's all, or it's a lot about the type of pitcher that can come back to you. Yes. You know, like if I can get, if I knew for sure that I could get a pitcher from my top tier, which is probably about, I don't know, like 10 to 12 pitchers, roughly, I would say, um, on the way back, then I would take the bat. But the way pitchers are going in the late first mm-hmm. and throughout the entire second, I mean, I've seen second rounds where it's just all pitchers, you know, and then it's like, you know, if you're not getting any of them to come all the way back, I would rather take the pitcher high and then just take the bat that comes back because there's probably going to be a bat that falls into your lap in late round two or something because everybody's taking, you know, there's a lot of pitchers that go. So that's the tricky part in that range. Um, I mean, I have no, really no debate with Soto anywhere in the top six, seven. Agreed. Depends on, you know, you kind of have to think about that like late second, early third part and just kind of how you want to build your team. So, I don't know. It's it's tough for me. I'm not really still not really sure my answer. I I think I'd have to be on the spot in a draft uh to have to make that call. I have been in the 5-6 slot twice in my three draft and holds I've done so far this offseason. And in both drafts a pitcher has gotten back to me that I really liked. Luis Castillo I think was there in both. And that's a good argument for taking a Soto if he's there. Yeah. Yeah, if I if I knew I could get Castillo in the second round, who I'm really high on, I would take Soto every time. Yeah, but it's just it's, it's a just risk. Uh, yeah, it's it's like how often you know the way that I, I've seen those pitchers fly off the board. It's like how often are you going to have that guy mm-hmm. come to you? You know, so but yeah, Soto's great. I mean, he's like I said, I think he's if he's not the best hitter in the league, he's right there. I mean. What a stud. Like, I feel like this guy could hit. I mean, God, he could be the next guy to hit 400. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. he's just he's just incredible. So he's incredible. everybody knows it. I mean, you could go on all day about it. But, yeah, it's um, the the it, it's so ridiculous just to see the arc that he's gone on and like basically never had any adjustment period. And like that just doesn't ever happen the way that it did with him. So no stud. Yeah. He's, uh, he's something I tell you. There you go, guys. You heard it here first. Juan Soto is good at baseball. <laughs> All right. The fourth outfielder is Mike Trout. Heard of that guy? Uh, ADP of pretty much right at six. And it's finally happening. Trout's no longer the one, one guy, the clear one, one guy. The power speed guys have passed him by due to Trout only stealing 12 bases in his last 187 games played between 2019 and 2020. He was still a stud everywhere else, though, last year with 17 home runs, 41 runs, 46 RBI, and a 281 average in 53 games played, all while his he became a dad also in the month of August and had that going on with COVID and everything else. But... At this point, the speed concerns feel like they have to at least be considered with Trout. 
He's arguably the safest hitter on the planet. But where would you have him in your redraft ranks, Andrew? Boy, I tell you, his StatCast page is unbelievable. It's just, when you go down to the year by year. I'm pulling it just, now because I never, I haven't looked. It is just comical. It is just red. Like, they might as well just paint <laughs> the whole page red. Um, I would probably have him, uh, I took him eight in a draft. And I think, I think in that draft, I took him ahead of Bieber. Um, which was, that was kind of tough for me. I think eight or nine, somewhere in there. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard talk of him once like main of NFPC main event time rolls around of him dropping down to as far as the wheel because of the speed that's, you know, you just don't know exactly what you're getting. And, um, I know that, you know, that may sound crazy. It may not happen too, but, um, I remember kind of early in the off season saying, I thought he would move to the middle of the first round. And he's kind of done that. And um, I don't know. I, I could see it dropping even a little further. But that said, I mean, if you're liter- if you're picking number one and you want him to take Mike Trout, it's, it's totally fine. It's just, um, again, building your team and how you are comfortable doing it. You know, some people are just comfortable with the floor he provides. He has the safest floor in the league. And, um, you know, if you told me he was going to steal – 20 plus bases again, I'd take him number one overall. Um, I'm just not really confident that that's going to happen. So, you know what Steamer hasn't projected for? I'm not sure. But um, I don't have it up right at the moment. But while you're looking that up, I do want to say that he still could go out there and steal 20 plus bases. He could steal Definitely. 30 if he wanted to. If you look at the StatCast page, I mean, he's still just as fast as he was three, four years ago. Yeah. He just made a he's just made a choice not to run the last few years. Um, yeah, some of that is some of that is potentially you never know what they're the team's telling them or whatever. He's projected for ten on Steamer. So would you take the over most, or under on that? Most projection systems have him from yeah, like ten to twelve. Um I think he'll steal like I think I'd over it. I think he'll steal like 10 to 14, 15, somewhere in there. I don't feel strongly about it either way, but I would take the over also. I think it wouldn't shock me if he went out and stole eight, six or eight, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he stole anywhere between 10 and 30. So, yeah, I um, think that's the reason that he's just dropping a little bit. It's just because, you know, if he steals eight or 10, you know, he's he's probably not going to finish as the number one player. So yep. not that you have to do that. I know he's very he's, he's extremely likely to finish in the top 10 um, basically as every year, I think. So that's definitely the argument for him. And I have no issue with him uh, going anywhere, basically, in that in the first round. So. so Mike Trout, also good at baseball, maybe doesn't yes. run as much as he used to. And I hope he does. I. I would love nothing more to see him go out there and steal 25, 30 bases again. It'd be awesome. Yeah, betcha. All right, well, that brings us to Christian Yelich at number five, the last guy who is in the top, basically. I Well, I guess the next guy is still 15th. But anyway, Yelich has an ADP of 11, and he came off of an MVP-level 2019 season, 
Before the knee injury in September of 2019, he played 130 games and had 44 home runs, 30 steals, 329 average. The only real concern that he had going into last year was whether the knee was going to slow him down on the base paths, but instead a new concern popped up. His strikeout rate jumped to 30% after consistently being right at 20% throughout his whole career, and his batting average tumbled. Yelich is a career 296 hitter, and he only hit 205 last year. Power was still good with 12 homers in 58 games, but he also only stole four bags. Steamers kind of towing in between here. They project a 274 batting average with 34 home runs and 18 stolen bases. So best of three over under. What would you take, Andrew? I would take the over. I would take the over on the batting average, definitely. Um, I actually think that that, might, that batting average for Christian Yelich, I was thinking about this when I looked at it, I think I might be more confident in that over on a batting average than I'd ever be, like any player in the league. I think I would take, like if you said over one person's batting average, I would over 274 for Christian Yelich. I'm really confident. Yeah. What do you What do you think? Um, I, th- I would take the over on the batting average and the home runs and the under on the steals, just being – so I would take the over as long as one caveat I would need to know that they're going to be allowing in-game video again I think that was I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago with Yelich we talked about this I, I think when we were talking about Altuve's struggles or Bregman I think Yelich had an interview and he talked about how some of these video hitters the, that depend on video in-game were going to have struggles during the year and I can't think of any other reason why he would have a batting average go up like this. He said this before the year began, if I recall right. And sure enough, that's what happened. To where I buy into the fact that that's why his batting average went, or his strikeout rate jumped after being so consistent. So I'd like to hear what Major League Baseball's plans are with that. And knowing Major League Baseball, we probably won't find out until the day before the season. So... I would take the over. I probably wouldn't be one to bet it in either way just because of the fact that I'd like to see what baseball's doing. Because if I found out no video, then I would probably, I wouldn't want to take that bet. Yeah, I think I would over all three. So you'd go over on the 18 steals, Ethan. Wow. It's possible. Yeah, I I think so. Or at least, I I at least think it's close, I guess. I just think that um, I'm not. I'm not worried about Yelich, really. I mean, I, I've thought a lot about it as the se- the offseason's kind of gone on. You know, early in the offseason, it was, oh, my God, he's going at the back end, half of the first round and or, the you know, the back third. It was kind of in that range, and he still kind of is, but um, he's just kind of incrementally been moving up for me. I, I feel like it was just a oddball year for everybody, and the track record that he has it just speaks for itself. I think he's going to be fine, and – um, I think the offense will be maybe maybe even a little bit better too, or at least you hope because it was oh, yeah. pretty rough last year. So, um, yeah, it it will not surprise me at all if he's the top guy at the end of the year. Even I mean, it's there have been ten different players go number one in a draft on NFBC, and he is one of them. So. Yeah. 
And yes, they've already signed Wong. Might have uh, Justin Turner. I'm not sure yet. And so, yeah, they definitely have some better pieces around him. And I do think that the video will be there. I think that's one of the things that will be allowed back on during the season now that they've, you know, they, I think they've, I just believe that's what baseball will do. I don't know for sure. And moving on, number six outfielder, we got Cody Bellinger at 15 overall. Mike Yelich. Cody took a fall in the batting average department in 2020. After hitting 309 in 2019, he only hit 239 last year. And when you look at his BABIP, batting average from ball and play, you'll see a similar fall. While it, it has, what has been at a reasonable 313 and 302 in the previous two seasons, it was down to 239 last year. And on top of that, Bellinger did have shoulder surgery after messing it up in the NLCS last October. I think it was during the celebration that he actually did it, if I recall. Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was when he uh, when he homered or something. <laughs> like he was going nuts after a homer. And I want to say the last game of the year, wasn't it? I Yeah, I th- the NLCS. Yeah, I think it was the final game. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was the World Series. No, I think it was the NLCS, and he, oh, okay. he was terrible in the World Series, and that was part of it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you could be right. That's what I was reading when I was researching earlier this week. So, if I'm wrong, it's on the website. <laughs> um, but it sounds like he should be ready to go when spring training begins. But, Andrew, you've hinted a little that you don't like Bellinger too much at this price. Um, is that true? And if so, why? You know, it's it's fine. I mean, it's not like I'm surprised when he goes. I just um, – the shoulder thing, and since June 1st of 2019, his batting average is 249. And I, I don't know. I just feel like that there's questions there. Like, I don't, I don't really trust him to hit for average. Um, and I just feel like if the power isn't – you know, like if he isn't hitting 40 home runs and stealing 15 bases, you know, if there's a little bit of a drop in both of those, I don't know. I just feel like he could be a little disappointed uh, that the Rotowire uh, uh, draft software pulled up and their projection for Cody Bellinger is 263, 32 homers and 12 steals. That is I not good. Yeah, I, I don't. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen or anything but it just kind of um gives you a little bit of a glimpse it's like if the average isn't there and the i do think he has incredible power and pretty good speed for you know first base outfield type you know so he's probably fine it's like one of those spots in the draft though where i'm probably taking um a few of the other bats over him or pitching you know kind of on that end uh i'm either going like pitcher pitcher or taking uh just another guy like i like harper a little more i like bichette and i like uh lindor a little more i think i'd take all three of them but again it's splitting hairs it's just kind of one of those things when you when you have any kind of inkling I just feel like you can dance around it. I mean, the, there's other guys that are awesome too, you know. So, um, just probably, 
how I'm going to be treating Bellinger rest of draft se- draft uh, season. So, so Steamer actually projects him for a 280 batting average. Maybe I can get you into a little fluke batting average bet here. If I took the over, would you take the under? On 280? 280. Yeah, I'd take the under. I figured you would. You do a bet on that one? Yeah, that's fine. Bellinger, Bellinger, 280. Okay. I... I'm not as worried. I thought you were. Gonna, I thought you were going to try and be like 270. <laughs> <or something. laughs> no, I. I'm, not, you know, I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to back this one up. I, because of the fact that he really the strikeouts didn't in, increase. I'm just going to say it's bad, bad, batted block there. But we'll see. I'll, I'll. I'll double. I'll take the aggressive bet on that one. <laughs> I should, no, I'm. I could have been like, I'll take the over on that roto wire 264. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I'd take no, him I take over Harper. I, I just happened to notice because they've got you know with their projections, he's ranked like forty two, mm-hmm. like just just the projections, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's low, but um, I don't know, just kind of a glimpse as to where it could fall. But you know, I mean, if he was in the MVP conversation, I'm I'm not going to be surprised either. So. Mm-hmm. All right, number seven, we got your boy, my boy, our boy, Bryce Harper. We have long been fans, and I think I would say it's safe to say you've held steadier than me the last few seasons. I was starting to become a little wary of the increased swing and miss that Harper had shown. I remember one of my things I was saying last offseason was four years in a row his strikeout rate had gone up. But in 2020, he had one of his most impressive seasons. After seeing his strikeout rate increase, he had the lowest of his career in 2020 at 17.5%, down from 26% the previous year. Now, small sample, but unfortunately the batted balls weren't dropping as much, so his batting average only finished at 268, thanks to a 279 batting average on balls in play. But anyways, this has me encouraged for this next year. Hopefully he can keep that trend coming. So... Steamer projects a 248 batting average with 36 home runs and 13 steals. Over under best of the three. Over on all of it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. 248's a slap in the face. I mean, I agree. I mean, a, that's a slap in the face. I will say that if he if he goes back to striking out 25 26% of the time. I think it's very possible as a left-handed hitter, but I don't know, I'm banking on the improvements last year. I'm really hoping that's a sign of things to come and even if it's in the low 20s, I mean, he's such a good hitter. I'm He needs You know one. he you know he has a higher career batting average for all the for all the crap that Harper gets. He has a higher career batting average than Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. It's just, I mean, it's not by much, but it's like he's a 276 career hitter, gets all kinds of crap. I mean, we've said it a million times, but like this guy, you know, covers Sports Illustrated and he gets all the hype and like best player on the planet and all this stuff. And while he's not ever, aside from maybe 2015, quite been that, he's pretty darn good, you know? And he's, and it's every year. I mean, the batting average has bounced around some. Do I worry about that too much? No. I mean, it is in the back of my head that 
he could be a guy that doesn't actively help your batting average, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he hit 310. You know, it's just, I mean, he's so talented, so good, like hits the ball hard. It's going to give you some steals. I mean, and I feel like that there's probably, or there's a good, maybe not probably, but there's a good chance that there's another MVP season coming. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, we're pretty big Harper guys. And I don't know. I just, I don't get the hate that a lot of people tend to give him. Is Harper a first rounder for you if everything goes chalk? You know, I was thinking about that today and I was like stumped at, at um, like 13, what I would do. Because so I think I know my top 12 pretty much. Um, I would take him right around that wheel area. You know, like if I, if it got to the wheel, I would be really tempted to take pitcher, pitcher or pitcher Harper or, you know, Lindor, Bichette. I like them too. Um, definitely it would take a pitcher. So I, I wouldn't go hitter, hitter there at the end of the first, but um, yeah, possibly he would, he wouldn't be higher than 13. Um, but he may not be quite in the first round because I would possibly take a pitcher there too. I don't know. But yeah, somewhere right around the, the wheel area, I think. And like Trout. What about you? What do you think? Where is he? Oh, where would roughly? I take him? Yeah, roughly. I mean, I, we're, we're pretty much right in line there. I'm taking him yeah. behind Bellinger, but it's like a one pick apart. I think I would take Bellinger first, but. I don't have a yeah, problem taking fair. Harper over him. I think they're pretty close to the same, in my opinion. Bellinger's got Bellinger's got the dual eligibility too, so mm-hmm. I get I get the intrigue there. But yeah, I'm pretty much the exact same spot. I'm thinking I, I would like to go pitcher Harper, pitcher Bellinger, pitcher pitcher. One of those combos. And yeah. yeah. We're pretty much right in line there. I didn't put this in the notes, but Harper's twenty eight now. Is he still a first round dynasty player for you? Um, I think so. Yeah, or close. I I haven't really thought about it. I, my mind's been so on redraft lately, just with all the drafts mm-hmm. I've been doing. But um, I haven't really thought about it to be honest. But yeah, I would think probably close to the range where he goes in um in redraft leagues. Yes, I agree. He is one to me, and it goes back to what I was saying about Mookie Betts and Trout as we were talking about dynasty value. Guys like Harper, I just believe age better. The power guys who chip in a little bit of speed. I just, I mean, yeah. there's, I think Harper's skill set's going to be around for a while still. Yeah, I could see him still being the same guy when he's like 32, you know? Yep. So um, I'm not too worried about drop off there too much. I mean, we'll see. You never know. But just uber talented and kind of always done what he does. So, yep. Okay. Uh, it takes a little bit of a break before we get to our next outfielder. And actually, that might be my nice little segue. Let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about that outfielder. Okay. And that 
Next outfielder that's going at the 2-3 wheel is Kyle Tucker with an ADP pretty much right at 31. And it feels like we've been waiting years for Tucker. Apparently all we needed was for Dusty Baker to go to the Astros for him to finally get a shot. Yep, just like we all planned. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, Either way, Tucker shined in 58 games this last year. 268 average with nine home runs, eight steals, 33 runs, and 42 RBI. His steamer projects him as one of the very few people to go have an actual 2020 season. So, Andrew, where do you think you'd take a shot at Tucker in drafts? I think I would take a shot on him in, like, the middle of the of the third. So not too far behind but where a he's being behind. drafted, but a, a little bit behind, yeah. So why why a little lower than his ADP? Why do you think you're a little lower than other people? I don't know. I mean, I young guy done it once. I you know just I I'm not real confident that um, everything he did last year was real. It was it was nice to see. I mean, and I do think he's five category upside and all of that stuff. But um, I don't know. I just kind of want to see him do it again. I feel like it's really aggressive and um, it won't, it won't shock me. Like I, I was a fan of Tucker. Gosh, I think I traded for him in RM one, maybe the first season, like when he was in low a or something. I mean, I've, I've liked him for a long time, but as he kind of moved up, Obviously, you know, everybody liked him and um, I still do. It's like, you know, really good player across the board. It's just, it's really aggressive. You know, I, I don't know exactly. Like, I think I'd under the homers. I think 30s aggressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, middle of the third, I, I, I don't feel like I'm down on him really. I, I think he's good overall. Like I just not probably take he's not like probably in my top 30 if i was just laying out rankings and i think in all my drafts i've been in so far the three he's gone in the top 30 i think that power speed combo is tempting to a lot of people i'm probably somewhere in between i think i'm in the low 30s but i i don't think i'd take him at the 30 31 pick probably but I don't think he's too far behind there. There is risk in what you just said about the he's only done it for 58 games here and he was kind of a mess against major league pitching beforehand. I'd I'd like to see it for another year before I really buy in and I mean if he goes out and does these steamer projections, he's going to go higher next year. But yeah, I I'm not jumping on him. I'll say that and that's I you brought up the 30 home runs in the projection and Steamer projects him for 258 with 30 home runs and 20 steals. So you said you'd take the under on the homers. Are you taking the under on the best of 3 then? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. I think It's close. I mean, it's it's close. I I just feel like I would um I feel like 30 homers is aggressive. And I, like I said, I, I think he can do it. Um, you got to like what the potential that he brings to the table, five categories and all that. But um, I don't know. I just feel like that there 
aggressive projections, you know? So, yeah, if you had told me to project his numbers without looking at this, I would have been over on the home, the batting average, and I definitely would have been under on the home runs. So it comes down to the steals, and I would have been in the 18 to 22 range. So I do think it's close. I don't know exactly what I would have said. Probably slide under just because, but I th- it could easily be over that. It's close. I do think it's close. Yeah, it's close. And next up, speaking of controversial, is Luis Robert with an ADP of 35. Robert had the exact opposite season that Adalberto Mondesi had. If you had listened to the shortstop preview, we were talking about how Mondesi was terrible in August and July and then awesome in September. And Robert, on the other hand, was the opposite. He was the talk of baseball in August, hitting 298 with 10 home runs, 22 runs, 24 RBI, and four steals in 33 games. But then the calendar turned over to September, and the wheels fell off for Lubob. In 23 games, 94 plate appearances, he hit 136 with one home run and five steals. He did score 11 runs and had seven RBI also. Uh, Thankfully, he had 10 walks, which did help contribute to a few more of the runs and steals in there. So, digging in, Robert struck out 32% of the time with an 8.8% walk rate. And looking at that, honestly, it's better than I remembered. And it sounds very Mankata-esque. I was thinking of Yohan Mankata, and I think those are kind of similar numbers to what he does. Which, as I said, is better than I would have guessed a few days ago looking at it. Steamer projects 259 with 29 home runs and 22 steals. Over, under, best of those three. I would under the batting average. And I don't know. I think that the steals I'd probably over. And the homers I think I'd under. So I'm going to under it. I would under the batting average, over the home runs, and under the steals, funny enough. So we're on opposite ends on what we're overing on the home runs and steals, but... You'd under the you'd under 22 steals, really. What did he finish with? 90, 96th percentile sprint speed. He had nine in a shortened season. Yeah. Maybe, think, maybe, I mean, maybe you're right. That might change my mind, actually. I've, I forgot a nine. I, feel, I actually feel like 22 is conservative on the steals i mean i just i feel like he's yeah i I, you've changed my mind a guy that could steal more than that but i mean there's plenty of issues with him i i don't think steals is one of them i guess for the most part but so he's a pick people seem to love or hate where do you think you land on him and where around would you take him i'm not getting him um there's no doubt. I, I honestly haven't even thought about where I would take him because I don't have to think because he's gone every time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he went 25 overall in the draft we just did. Um, or in the draft that we're in. And um, I don't think – I think the latest I've seen him go, my first draft, I want to say he went 41. So it was like later in the third. Um He'd probably be like fourth round. I don't know. Like, I, it's just 
it's not something that I would have to, that I've ever had to think about because he's gone before I would take him. Um, I do think that if you're just strictly looking at home runs and steals, he's going to give you, or he should give you a lot of it. I mean, he's got power, he's got speed, um, and he's an explosive athlete, you know, like those, those aren't really what I'm worried about. It's the batting average and the counting stats because he swings all the time. He swings and misses all the time. And I feel like he's highly likely to hit in the bottom third of the order or, you know, towards the bottom of the order for the White Sox. If he does get to the top at any point, I feel like he will slump enough to where he'll drop back down again. I just don't really see him sticking at the top of the lineup. So I don't know. Like it's, it's one of those things, the runs in RBI, I don't think will be that great. And I don't think that people think about that when they think about Luis Robert, they just think he's got a ton of power and speed, which he does. I mean, he does have that. Um, So it's tough, but like I said, I mean, I don't, I don't have to think too long and hard about it because usually the draft starts. I check the draft room a few times and Robert's gone before I can blink an eye. You know, it's just, he goes early and it's just earlier than I'm willing to take him. He's kind of, I kind of look at him like he's just the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year type guy right now, because we haven't seen him struggle extremely, you know, like, Buxton was this way and Robles was this way. And yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's exactly that, but until you see these guys fail over a long period of time, people just love this guy and they'll and they'll love the next one. You know, it's just, it's not like he'll be the last one, but, um, I mean, there's probably people out there that think he could be a first round pick next year, but I look at it more like, he could be a seventh round pick too, you know. So either one's possible, and that's I just a, think it's it's tough. Yeah, it's I'm not going to get him in any league this year. I love that you just brought up Victor Robles and Byron Buxton into this conversation because that is such a good point. People with those two hitters saw the power, speed, and thought this guy it could be a first round pick. I'm taking him now. And they didn't yep. think about the hit tool, possibly moving them down to the bottom of the lineup, which is what happened to both of those guys. And Robert worked his way down the lineup last year. He was at the top for a little bit, and then he worked his way down to the bottom. And he's probably going to start the year at the bottom. He's going to have to hit his way up there. And it's possible he's a first-round pick next year. If everything clicked right, it could. If the strikeouts, he was able to get that into the down to the high 20s, I think that's possible. But there's also a chance he hits at the bottom of the lineup and hits 220, 230 with a 280 on base percentage and is hitting ninth. It's an, it's possible. Yeah. I feel like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, I'm not going to say it is impossible, but I don't really see it. I just feel like that he has way too many things right now as a hitter to fix. Mm-hmm for it to all be fixed in one year. Like, yep. I'm not saying he couldn't steadily make improvements, but, um, yeah, it's just tough. And like, like you said, I mean, Robles and Buxton, 
you know, I, I know people are probably like, oh, he's not that, he's not that. Well, you didn't think Robles and Buxton were that either until they were, you know, and it's just, yeah, there's just a lot of, a uh, lot of issues here. And I just feel like that uh, people are having trouble seeing it because he's the new guy on the block that everybody wants to grab hold of and hope that he's going to vault into the first round or whatever you want to call it. But I don't know, man. I just, I don't really see it. He needs to do what Trevor story did, which unfortunately stories in Colorado. So that might've been what aided part of his, but when story came up, I just, as you were talking, it made me, it reminded me of him as the other end of the Byron Buxton and Robles story had like a 31 and 34% strikeout rate those first two years. And his sophomore year was a disappointment. But then he cut that down to 25-26% the last couple of years, and he's been a star. And that's I, I think it all comes down to strikeouts for that guy. He's got to get it down to 25, 27, maybe even 28%. If he could do that, it's there for him. But he's got to do that, and he's got to continue hitting the ball with authority. Yeah. Don't know if it'll happen. I'm, I'm with you. I'm probably taking him in a – I would have same – say the fourth round on on him like whatever i whatever i said with tucker i definitely would take tucker over robert yes like definitely let's just um so yeah is one more question here is robert a top 25 dynasty asset to you well it's tricky because perceived value i think he probably is like i i mean and what I mean by that is if you have Luis Robert, I think you can sell him as a top 25 guy. But do I think he's actually like a top 25 guy if I'm just like hanging on to him? No, I don't. I would I would probably have him. I would still have him, you know, somewhere outside of that. I don't know how far down, you know, probably top 50. But you can get so much form. It's like, even if you don't like him, if you have him on your team, you can turn him into a lot because there's people that believe. And I've seen, God, I'd have to pull it up, but I want to say he was moved in one of my leagues this off season. And um, he's treated as if he's a superstar or close to it, you know? So for that reason, he might be top 25. I, like if I'm in a draft, though, you're not taking him at I'm, that price. No, I'm not taking him in the top 25. No, I would find because there's just so many other guys that um, I feel like have comparable ceiling, floor, whatever you want to call it, or higher floors, obviously. But if I would also feel comfortable holding those guys, and with Robert, if I took him, I would feel like I had to trade him right away. That's and it. That was probably be my next just, thing. If you inherited yeah, a team, just... you would be turning around. If you inherited yeah. him on a team, you'd be turning around and flipping him immediately. Yeah. That. If I had, if I had Robert, I would be trading him. There's, there's no doubt because you can get, like I said, I mean, you can probably get a, a top twenty-five guy. So. Okay, well, let's move on to Eloy Jimenez at thirty-six overall, right there, one pick apart from his teammate Robert. Um. I think I can make a quick answer on our take for Eloy, and you can tell me if I'm right. Good hitter, elite power, 
who is fairly ranked amongst outfielders, but probably not someone either of us are touching in the third round, mostly for roster construction reasons with the lack of speed. Am I correct? Um, probably if I was, I don't know if I was in the back part of the third round and there was nobody I wanted. Yeah, you're probably right. I probably wouldn't take him, Yeah, but I, I really, I really like Eloy. I mean, I yes. tra- traded for him last year in RM1 and I, I think he's awesome. Like he's, I think he can hit for average and power for a long time. Man, he's so big in the box. <laughs> it <laughs> yes, like reminds yes. it reminds me almost of like a like a Frank Thomas or something. Just size wise, you know, just he's just a monster. But um, yeah, for redraft, it's not like a, a guy that I'm probably probably taking that early. But that doesn't mean I don't like him. It's just um, a team building thing. Yeah, it, it's kind of like the third baseman we talked about. It's like. Yeah, they're really good, but if you take one of those guys around, then you might be putting yourself in a situation on speed whenever power is the easiest thing to find. But yes, that doesn't take anything from Eloy, and I actually took over a Dynasty League team two months ago. I inherited, or a month ago, I inherited a team, and I, I looked at it, and I thought, this team's a little older. It's not a team I like, and I put almost everybody on the block, but I have Eloy, and a couple guys asked me about him. And I pretty much told them I'm I'm not interested in moving them unless you're ready to. I mean, I looked at their roster and realized they we weren't going to be a match for a trade. And yeah, he's more like I'm more interested in him in a dynasty league than I am a redraft league. Agreed. Because he should. I mean, he's a big boy who you know skills should age for well. For a little the only while. thing, the only thing I worry a little bit about is size. It, is his, is how quickly is he a DH? Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think that that's something to consider a little bit because he's pretty bad in left field. But yeah, just pure hitter. I mean, like I would definitely rather have him than Robert in every format. Yep. So. The one thing he has going for him in terms of this whole how long till he's a DH is Jose Abreu still has two more years of team uh, of team control right or on his contract, and they have um oh gosh, who's the first baseman? Your boy Vaughn Andrew, Andrew Vaughn. Vaughn coming up, so he might be able to hold off for another two or three years before he's DH only, and he has Jose Abreu resigning with the White Sox as the only reason he's not a DH right now. Because if they didn't re-sign Abreu and pretty much have to DH one of him or Vaughn, then, yeah, he's a DH. Okay, um, moving on, 11 outfielder. We've got Whit Merrifield. We talked about him on the second base podcast. And then I'm going to list off 12 through 15 here. we got Marcel Uzuna at 47 who just re-signed, uh, signed a four-year contract with the Braves. We got Starling Marte at 49, Aaron Judge at 57, and World Series or playoff hero Randy Arozarena at 58. Uh, how would you rank these four guys? That's Azuna, Marte, Judge, and Arozarena. Redraft, right? Yes. I would go Marte 1, Arozarena 2, 
I think I actually I think him and Ozuna are close actually, but I would probably take Rosarena, and then Ozuna and then Judge. I have the same order. Uh, any concerns with Marte going from Arizona to Miami, which is a very spacious ballpark? Just real quick to kind of touch on that too. Um, my main reasoning, and I know you know we've kind of beat the horse, but you know in the early rounds, I've just found you know I've done a handful of drafts so far, and I've just found that with my early hitter picks, I strongly prefer if they have some speed. Like I strongly prefer it. I just I feel like that the four category guys that you know aren't getting you speed can quickly or they could turn into three category guys or two and a half category guys and they become a lot less special. So I just strongly prefer that they have some semblance of speed. And obviously Marte and Rosarena, they could steal 20, 25 bases on top of everything else they provide. It has nothing to do with how good like Eloy, Ozuna, Judge are because I know that they have more power than those guys. But I also know that I can get into a draft and like in round 12, 13, 14, 15, even later, I can find power. Like there's always power to find. And I tell you what, you wait, if you're just taking power at the top of the draft, I mean, you're going to have a real tricky time trying to find speed. And I just feel like if you have that base early, you can go a lot of different ways. You do want to make sure that you have enough power. Like the worst thing you can probably do coming out of a draft is be short on power. So you want to make sure it's covered, but I feel like this early, I just got to get some speed or I'd rather just draft like a stud pitcher or something. You know, it's it's like stud pitcher or a guy that's at least capable of giving me five categories. I just prefer to build that way. So just wanted to touch on that and why I kind of had that order. Yes, I'm with you completely on that. I drew in our, my first draft and hold when we were on with Winder, I, Chris Winder. I took Arenado in the third, one of those power guys in that third round, and I was chasing speed the rest of the draft. And it's just not fun to chase speed. You can find power. You you said you don't want to go out of a draft without realizing your short power, but you could be in your first eight, ten rounds and realize your short power and make it make it up. If you're eight or ten yeah. rounds in on speed and you realize you're way too short on speed, you're going to be chasing it by reaching for guys you don't want to take when you have to take them. It's yeah. I mean, there's guys like Fran Mil Reyes. You can get in round 10 Jorge Soler. You can get in round 11 Kyle Schwarber. You can get in like round 13, 14. I mean, there, and there's way more. I just randomly thought of those three, but I took Cole there's Calhoun so many, in around like 18 in that last draft. And yeah, there's so many guys that can give you power. And, you know, I, I guess some people might say it's not the same power as these guys, but I don't know, like it, it might not be as far off as you think. Just just two years ago in the last, you know, 2019, Solaire hit 48 homers. He's going yep. in round 11. I mean, I, that's a guy that I haven't actually gotten him yet. In the last couple drafts when he's gone, I've been irritated because kind of the way that I've, I'm trying to build my teams this year, he's a guy that actually fits pretty good when yes. you get to that spot in the draft. I mean – and there's others too. I mean, there's plenty of them. It's part of the reason why I kind of like the UT guys because they're power guys that are 
you know, can help an average too. And, um, but yeah, just these early, early picks, I would rather they have some speed or be a pitcher, I guess, or a role or a role this Chapman. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, that's why I haven't been that interested in Ozuna at this. And he's kind of been up and down. Judge has incredible first round upside if he could actually stay healthy because of the power that he has. Maybe maybe second round. I I don't know. Maybe he probably still has first round value. Yeah, yeah, I think he still has first. Yeah. But the injury concerns with him. It is nice with Ozuna that he went back to the Braves. Yes, yes. He's that's a gr- great landing spot for him. Going back there, hitting right there behind Freddie Freeman. He'll be yeah, the our, the opportunities for RBI will be plenty. Yeah, definitely. What about Arona's Arena here though? When do you feel comfortable drafting him? I don't think I've seen you draft him in any of your drafts yet. And you know, very small sample of being incredible and through the 20 I think it was 24 games in the regular season and the playoffs, but it is a small sample. Yeah, I think I think that um this is close to the right spot. Um I think it's fine. I haven't gotten him yet. I I like uh I think I like Grisham a little bit more and he's going a few picks later. So if I'm in that spot where I'm deciding between those two, I'm probably taking Grisham, but it's splitting hairs. I mean, I I think a Rosarain is fine. Yeah. You know, I was on Twitter right before we started recording, and I noticed a tweet from Alex Fast with the pitcher list, and he was talking about a Rosarena and his ADP, and he showed that versus breaking balls, his Woba, X-Woba, X-Wobacon, X-W, or X-Wobacon, Wobacon. A lot of stats that I'm not going to go into right now, but they're not pretty versus breaking balls and off-speed pitches. Yeah, I saw that tweet too. And I was like, I, I cringed when I saw it. I'm like, oh. It's one of those that he's got the upside to be a first-round pick at this time next year. I fully believe that's there. and But there is also risk. And, Andrew, you've talked about that risk specifically with the Braves as you and I have talked about him this offseason. Why don't you just – I didn't prep you on that, but I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, well, I've just I've just kind of said, you know, like, what does it look like um, if a Rosarena slumps early? I mean, again, I you know, sometimes I say that and I like I know that they might not. I mean, mm-hmm. he might come out like gangbusters and be awesome. But, you know, I you just think like, OK, if this guy has a bad April or a rough April, whatever. You know, there's a lot of guys across the league, especially guys going this high in drafts, that it's not going to matter. They're just going to keep playing and they're going to hit themselves out of it or whatever. Um, But I just wonder a little bit with the Rays and just the way they are, you know, they platoon everybody and they um, just, they're so deep. That's a lot of it too, is like they have a lot of good players just start to wonder as you get further removed from the incredible playoff success that he has or that he had. Um, I'm just, I just kind of wonder about that, you know, like early season slump. What does that do? Does it, does he start to lose playing time? I mean, 
And it, you know, you don't right now really think that that's going to happen, but you know, let him bat 168 in April or, you know, something like that. You know, it's just, you never know. And I, I, you don't want to be sitting there in June with your fourth round pick being a platoon bat. And honestly, I think that that is an outcome. I think it's the a bottom end outcome, obviously. And I don't really expect it. I mean, I, I think he'll probably be fine, but I do think that like the, of all the potential ways this could go with a Rosarena, the worst of all of them, or, you know, the bottom 10 percentile, whatever is pretty bad, like to where you're barely going to be able to start him. So I just think you have to be aware of that, but I do think the ceiling is, is high too. I mean, he could be, if he's in there all year, that means he's hitting because he's not going to be, if he isn't, and, I mean, he's going to be really good if that's the case. You know, of these four that we're talking about here, Rosarena is the one I'm most confident is the furthest apart, like, is going to move one way or the other at this time next year. I don't expect yeah. him to be at 58. I, I think he's going to be a top 15, 30 guy, or he'll drop down. And it could go either way. And, you know, if you're sitting there thinking right now, <sighs> Rosarena, especially with that postseason success, they're they're gonna ride him. Just remember, Austin Meadows had a big 2019 season, and he came out scuffling in 2020, and they were platooning him by the end of the year. And that's Austin Meadows after a full year of good production, really good All Star level production. So yeah, I and the Rays are the team that you would expect to do, like expect to do that more than any other team in baseball. I would think. I mean, I think I, in my. I think in my first draft, he went like 75, 76. And I remember, you know, we were kind of touching on it early on because I, I, that was actually one of the biggest things going into my first draft this offseason. I was like, I can't wait to see where Rosarena goes because it was right after the playoffs. And there was no precedent for it. You know, it's not like you had seen it before. It was just we're going to be in this draft and he's just going to go somewhere and I have no clue where it's going to be, you know? And he went, um, he went, I want to say on the five, six turn at like 75 or 76. And I thought, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in at that spot. And like, I felt like the, it was going to turn into one of those things because everybody was saying they're out, you know, everybody. And I thought it was going to turn into, so many people are out that it's going to be, he's going to be almost like, underrated whereas the thought was he was overrated but it's it hasn't happened that way it's actually kind of gone the other way so I'm a little less comfortable with it here but um I still get it you know and I like there's there aren't a lot of guys that you can uh get five category upside out of that you expect to play every day at least out of the gate so that warrants an aggressive draft pick and uh I get all that definitely Last question. Straight up, who would you rather have? A Rosarena or Luis Robert? In a redraft? Redraft. It's tough. I don't know my answer yet. I'm hoping. The thing with Robert that I do like is I don't think a slump is going to put him on the bench. Yes. Agreed. 
And I think that that is, you know, one of the more appealing things about him just because, you know, he plays good defense and they're going to, or at least I would expect them to let him just continue on, you know. So I don't know. It's tough. I, I think I think I would take a Rosarena. Yeah, as I was But it's close. Here. It's close. I and it's more it's it's close to me because if one of them's getting benched, it's a Rosarena. Yes. And there's no doubt. So that makes it close. Um yeah, it's it's really close. I think that's where I was gonna go with this. You started talking and I was thinking, I'm like, I think I'm taking a Rosarena because I think the what I, my projection is higher. But on the same note, the floor is lower. The floor is uh, unusable because he's on the bad side of a platoon. And I just don't think Robert, just about under any circumstance, is going to be unusable. He may be for a stretch there. He may, yeah, do, he I may mean, do what Adalberto Mondesi did in July and August. That's very I think, possible. I think a Rosarain is the better hitter. Yes. Um, at least right now, but... It's the fact that he's uh, a Ray. Yeah, and just, you know, just the concern there of, uh, like I said, if one of them's benched in some point during the year. Yeah. Or platooning. Now, you know, not necessarily just thrown on the bench for good, but platooning or getting, you know, not full-time at-bats. Um, I think that that's more likely to happen to a Rosarena than Robert. Yep. And if you want to see that um, Randy Rosarena tr- um, tweet, I just, or that, I'm sorry, the tweet about Randy Rosarena by Alex Fast, I just retweeted it. So if you go to my feed, at Justin Hughes 365 you can find it there. Okay, that's going to touch up on our, finish up our top 15, Andrew. We went longer than I expected, but these guys are all studs, and there's a lot to talk about with them. But before we get out of here, let's make a quick Super Bowl prediction. We got the Chiefs, and we got... Tom Brady and the and the Buccaneers. I almost said Patriots at a default. <laughs> Who do you got Sunday? I think Tampa Bay wins at home. Yeah, I think it's a great game. Honestly, I mm-hmm. I don't feel I'm not confident, but I know the Chiefs are the favorite, and I know you're picking the Chiefs. I don't. I, I'm I'm going to take them just to be on the other side. I honestly don't feel strongly about it i think it's a it's hard to bet against tom brady and play in world series games oh i'm sorry um super bowl <laughs> super bowl games yeah tom brady's good in the world series he would be he'd go out there and he, he, you'd want him as a closer he's clutch <laughs> but um yeah i'll take the chiefs i don't feel great about it because it's hard to bet against brady i just he's got so many t- brady's got so many um, guys to throw to more than he's probably ever had more talent around him. On what a story, man. What a story this year. I yeah. can't even, I just can't even believe it. It's like leaves new England, new England doesn't make the playoffs. Tampa Bay's in the super bowl. Just crazy. So I was on my conference call for work earlier today and I, I live in Southern Missouri, but my region I'm in is based out of Kansas City. There's a lot of Chiefs fans on this call, and they were all like we were signing off saying, go Chiefs. 
And I told him, I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about with this game. I mean, the football season ended 12 days ago after the NFC championship. I have no desire to, because <laughs> I don't, I, I still am like, it's going to be a good game. I wish the Packers hadn't been eliminated last game because it really just, I'm, st- I'm still down on the whole thing. If they'd yeah. been eliminated three or four weeks ago, I never thought they had a shot. I'd be so pumped for this game because it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yep. And hopefully we get a good game to watch. And we will be back just in a few more days from now. And we will have the second and third. We'll carry on with the second part of the outfielders. We'll probably go from 16 to 45, I would imagine, on the next one. Yeah, we got a lot more to get to. That's only the uh, tip of the iceberg, my friend. Yes, sir. So thank you all for listening. And we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. And take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 